0: perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on the 26th of October 2020 and I spoke to British freelance travel writer Lauren Jarvis. We spoke about her love for wildlife and writing about conservation, in particular about the conservation programmes in zoos, all of that and much more. Hi Lauren, how are you, alright?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you doing?
0: Doing great. Um, I got back from Turkey, so I'm a little bit uh, quarantined at the minute, so i am not being able to <laughs> go out or anything, but it's fine. I've had quite a lot to catch up on. But um, How's it? I mean, it's been a crazy year for all of us. Uh, how's, how's things? You're based in, whereabouts are you based? Uh, in London, okay. Uh, and how's how's it going down there with with COVID still?
1: Well, yeah, I but we're learning to live with it. Um, obviously, as a travel writer, it's been challenging. So my last trip was March. Um, my last overseas trip was March.
0: It was just before the lockdown.
1: Yeah, I got back just just in time when things were sort of starting to to shut down. But I actually it was Anguilla. The island itself was fine, but we flew back um, via Europe. So I did actually go into quarantine for a couple of weeks just in case. Um, But yeah, it was kind of lucky. like the beginning of the year, I had quite a few trips. And and luckily that's kind of kept me going with writing work through the lockdown, being able to write about some of those. And then just like a lot of people just decided to start exploring closer to home as well, looking at UK travel and UK staycations.
0: Of course, and you just mentioned you do a lot of travel writing um it's mainly abroad then
1: usually long haul actually um, okay, yeah, so I do um I write about travel, conservation, the environment, wildlife, so yeah, a lot of what I write about is you know destinations like Africa, Australia, Canada um they're the main the main destinations, so yeah, definitely off my list at the moment,
0: sadly. And- yeah, I mean, in terms of the writing itself, you obviously mentioned wildlife conservation. Uh, you'd probably have a long period of time there, or is it? I mean, how long do you get to write an article?
1: About? Oh, it really varies. Yeah, sometimes it can be a really quick turnaround, um, and sometimes I'll have a few months to write it. It's always good, obviously, to try and write as soon as you get back from a trip when things are really fresh.
0: Uh, so um, when you're out there, you won't necessarily be writing, you sort of just document uh, yeah, get into mostly. and stuff.
1: Yeah, unless there's a really tight deadline on something, it will generally be that while I'm on a trip, um, and that can be you know anything from a few days to two weeks um, on a trip, you're generally just documenting. So you're, yeah taking part in activities, doing interviews with people, if it's wildlife you'll be speaking to people on the ground working in conservation, Um, if it's an article where you're going to have to review some hotels and obviously you're experiencing that side of things and then there's generally some time when you come back yeah to to write up the story. Um, Sometimes while I'm away though I am writing up stories you know I'm writing up stories from previous trips as well so it can okay. get quite hectic. It's not just a holiday.
0: <laughs> and how did it all start then for you? Uh, the writing, the travel itself. Where did the the passion come from then?
1: Um, well, I've always loved travel, but I didn't actually I didn't leave the country till I was fifteen. It was on a school trip.
0: Oh wow, that's quite. Yeah,
1: nice. my family used to do sort of you know good old British sort of staycations. Yeah, Devon, Cornwall, Norwich, um, Norfolk, Wales.
0: Do you know what? It's funny because you just said staycation. It was never known as staycation, but obviously no. No, you can't. But uh, we've it's all we've all been sort of
1: holidays. Yeah.
0: yeah. We've so. all been sort of doing because I do UK trips constantly throughout the year. Obviously, I've not done much this year, but never call it staycation. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know
1: definitely I know a new time. a new thing that's come in. But yeah, so we just we used to sort of stay in the UK, and then I was fifteen I went on a school trip. And then, yeah, just became more and more interested in travel. And um, when I left university, um, I went on a year's backpacking with a friend through Asia and Australia. I was kind of hooked. I mean, a lot of people, obviously, it's something that they do when they're younger and they kind of get it out of their system. Yeah. But it just got it more into my system. So I took another year out later on in my career um, and went around South America. And then i spent time sort of living in Australia as well. Um, And I've uh, worked in publishing for over 15 years now, but I started off in teen and children's publishing. So I used to work for magazines like Sugar and Bliss um, and then moved on to uh, launch National Geographic Kids magazine in the UK. And that was the magazine that really allowed me to start combining writing and travelling together because obviously it's about the world and geography cool. and wildlife
0: oh, and what what, was it, what did you study in university then was it was it journalism that you studied in university?
1: Um, no I actually did art history and literature so okay. I don't actually have a degree or anything in journalism
0: if you're curious I always say about things and if you question things all the time think, like, oh, actually maybe I could write about it
1: yeah, exactly. And there's more and more avenues for people to do that now as well, you know, because of the opportunities online, with blogging, with social media as well. Um, so how I got into it was through proofreading, actually. I um just got a job on a newspaper doing proofreading of the TV listings. So it wasn't, you know, the most exciting job at the time. But, but you, you
0: start somewhere, don't you, though?
1: Exactly. It was a foot in the door, um, and it was working for a really well-known newspaper publication. And so, from there, I was in the right place to be able to approach people with different story ideas. And so, I started to do that, and that's how I built up my portfolio. And then ended up having enough to get a job on a magazine. So I got a job on a children's. It was actually a Disney magazine, and um, and I used to do their competitions. And then from there, worked my way up and became features editor. And then, and then editor. So, it's been one of those jobs which hasn't really felt like work some of the time.
0: <laughs> well, this is it, you see. So, when if when it becomes part of your life and and it's you do hobbies like traveling and you, you don't see it as work, you know, you could work seven days a week and it will feel like oh, you're not really working.
1: Exactly. I mean, I suppose the hardest part of the travel is. You know, like dealing with the jet lag and, you know, sometimes you'll arrive back from somewhere and then the next day you're on a plane going off somewhere else. But so I suppose if you're someone that needs a lot of sleep, it might not be the job for you. <laughs> but, you know, you just kind of grab it where you can, you know, and, and sleep on the fly and then keep going. Um, But definitely the opportunities that jour- not just travel journalism, but all sorts of journalism offer, you know, to to explore, to meet a whole host of interesting people and, and you know, find out, find out about their ideas. And um, it really does open the door to so many different things that you may not have had the opportunity to do.
0: Can I just quickly ask you about your early, when you first went away for the first time for a year and then obviously you said afterwards as well as uh, another year. Whilst you were away, what did you learn about yourself? Because when people tell me, oh yeah, I went away backpacking you know, across Asia, I always think when you're young do you really learn much from from an early age because if I look at myself some of the places I've been to later years I appreciated it more than when I did when I was younger maybe when I was younger I was more into just like party, I was really into just partying and just going out and, and having fun, not necessarily too bothered about the historical aspect of of of, of, the, of travel.
1: So the the time I went backpacking, it was through Asia and Australia and I was around 24, 25, so I'd been to it's university.
0: It's quite a, yeah, a mature yeah. age isn't it, not 20, yeah. 21 where you're very no. young.
1: I've been to university and I'd had a few years working. Um, to save up the money to go and do it and then and then I went Um, and I went with a friend who then came back after a few months and so after that then I was sort of on my own and so I guess the main thing it taught me was yes self-reliance being able to you know pull yourself out of tight spots if you get in them being able to adapt sort of versatility as well um, to earn money, to get jobs as I went along, you know, everything from grape picking to painting houses to waitressing, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was a real learning curve, but I absolutely loved it. And, um, it made me quite open to, I think, meeting and wanting to get to know different types of people as well, you know, um, from all sorts of different cultures and with different ideas and different walks of life. I mean, it was just everything. We landed first of all in Bangkok, which was complete, you know, sensory overload. We're hiking around with our rucksack, trying to find somewhere to stay and yeah just uh,
0: so you did it uh, like a sort of unplanned like a proper backpack
1: yeah we went we just went <laughs>
0: That's okay, okay. and
1: um and back and then we, really it was
0: just a time by the way when technology wasn't really around you know with iphones nothing like that it was just mainly yeah. you just go out there and yeah you just had to pick whatever you, you found really
1: absolutely i had my um lonely planet guide to southeast asia um when we wanted to phone home, yeah, you had to go into, you know, like one of these phone centres and there was a massive delay on the calls. Yeah.
0: Now when you look at like someone going out for the first time and let's say if you've got young kids or, you know, brothers, sisters, um, you're probably more happy because they can connect with you a lot easily, you know, if they're in trouble, you can wire money across easily these days. It's not like back in the day where you had to wire money to like your bank and it It'd have to be, you know, days before you saw anything. So it's yeah. changed in that sense, I guess. And, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, yeah, there was no, you know, WhatsApp or being able to just talk to anyone for any amount of time free anywhere in the world. That's incredible. But I remember, like, when when it did start to come in and there was that sort of connection of mobile phones a bit more. I sound really old. I'm not that old, but I suppose everything has progressed really rapidly, with you know, in the last...
0: Ten, twenty years. Yeah, I thinking um, the last five years has gone. Like, I just remember it's just the technology is just unreal the way it's. I mean, just traveling now is so much more easy. I mean, just I've just come back from Turkey and it was just so easy to just roam around and no worries at all, book things and stuff. Yeah,
1: so, and a map or a translator. Exactly, in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Asia, some of the places, we got off the bus and we landed there, and it's like, well, I can't understand anyone. <laughs> can't understand any of the street signs. You know, I don't, you know, you just work it out, and that's great. And when I did have a mobile phone, I remember the first, you know, some of the trips that I went on after that, I would not take my mobile because I liked that sort of, disconnection yeah you know so I mean it depends now I travel mainly for work I need my phone I need my laptop you know I have all of that around me obviously because I'm working while I go and I need that but sometimes I think it's important as well to leave your phone in your safe in the hotel for the day or Mm. do you know what I mean and just because there's a constant pull away from where you are and that moment that you're in with the phone, and we're all guilty of it,
0: aren't we? One one question I always get asked, why don't I always, because you can always easily buy SIM cards these days um, and then put it into your phone, but I avoid it because, let's just say countries where you need Wi-Fi to connect to the rest of the world, for like eight, nine, ten hours when you've got no Wi-Fi and you're disconnected, I find that amazing because, as you just said there, there's no distractions, you know, you might have serious message from someone back home and you don't get it until you finish for the day. I think that's really nice.
1: How was traveling in Turkey at this time?
0: Yeah I mean, I mean Turkey as a country they've decided to sort of go down the route what I felt as if they decided to go down the route was just living with it so they've opened up the borders you know anyone can go in so even Americans who can't travel they can travel if they wanted to um I bumped into someone at one of the um hotels I said oh so did you have to quarantine when you got here nope took the temperature and said "Off you go enjoy so um i i found it really safe you know um everything as i said they're they're living with it they've always got the the rules of the distance and you have to wear masks in in, in any public spaces which is outside as well so it's a bit different to the uk where you don't have to wear it outside but you have to wear it in confined spaces inside but you know when i took coaches and um in an airplane just you had to wear the mask uh, um coaches uh well i mainly traveled on coach all the way through the country um you got a seat to yourself so if you're single you know you had the seat and you had the other one free so mm-hmm. that was great uh restaurants and stuff you know they took all precautions uh but not I i never at one point thought oh i am going to get the covid here you know testament to turkey and i applaud them for opening the borders And, um, yeah, just allowing people to enjoy.
1: Well, I think a lot of people are finding, you know, there's a real balance with travel In it just creates so many jobs and so, you know, much wealth around the world. And there are so many um, communities that are suffering from the collapse of travel you know as well as it's an inconvenience for everybody and you know you want your summer holiday and a lot of people have missed that this year Mm -hmm. you want to escape the winter and a lot of us can't do that this year but obviously the other side of it is the rangers on the ground in Africa who don't have any income because there's nobody in the lodges Mm -hmm. the guides that lead you know usually lead people on treks in Nepal that that just don't have any income at the moment at all. So, is
0: it all planned well in advance, or is it like, does it come about depending on the stories?
1: Um, so, sometimes it will be that I will have somewhere in mind that I want to go to write about and do a story, and I'll get in touch with the tourist board or the PR that represents the tourist board um, or a tour company to talk about doing the trip um sometimes it works the other way around and a tourist board or yeah a resort chain or um, an operator will want to take a press trip and invite some journalists out and host them um so it's been a really quick turnaround sometimes you know with a few days notice sometimes someone will drop out of the trip and you'll have an opportunity to go and then sometimes yeah there's a few months of planning beforehand so it's really varied.
0: Yeah, I, I think if someone told me a few days beforehand, I, I'd probably f- find that more exciting than if I'd known two three months beforehand. Because I, I tend to do everything last minute anyway. But does it also depend on like the work you might be doing? Where a couple of months' notice might help you plan your writing.
1: Um, Research I mean, maybe. Yeah, ideally, it's good to have a bit of notice, you know, to get in touch with people and sort out interviews on the ground things, but. Things can happen quite quickly, you know, you get in touch with people, you can make things happen, you know, fairly quickly. Sometimes I've been on a trip and thought about, oh, actually, there's a story in, like, a neighbouring country, or if I'm in America, I'm in a neighbouring state, and, um, yeah, so, as you say, like, it's quite easy now, you know, we're all online, we've all got the capability of changing a flight, you know, Um Getting in touch with PRs, getting in touch with tour companies, getting in touch with tourist boards and sort of making things happen. And I quite, I thrive on that as well. You know, I find that really exciting. But, you know, it's not, it's not so great when you're trying to plan things back at home, you know, because it's like, well, are you going to make it to this event or this? Will you be here for that? And social
0: um, life at home has to take an effect, doesn't it? <laughs> Just ask you how it all started with the wildlife and the conservation writing and where where did that all come about then
1: um well I've always been really interested in wildlife and loved animals you know when I was younger I had thoughts of being a vet and then I wanted to be a marine biologist I was always but I was always sort of better at the kind of arts side um so so the love and the passion for animals was, was there. I've been vegetarian since I was 12. You know, I've always been, been, you know, a member of Greenpeace, that kind of thing. So I was always very sort of proactive in that area. Um, but when it sort of came about with my writing was, yeah, when I, I worked for the publishing company and we pitched to get the, um, the business to launch National Geographic Kids magazine in the UK. Um, and so I was editorial director of that for six years and, um, yeah, just, you know, had fantastic time. I got fantastic opportunities, interviewed the likes of David Attenborough a few times, which was amazing. Um, Steve Backshall, Jane Goodall. Um, yeah. And after that, I went freelance and just sort of kept those contacts going and, um, started to write about nature, conservation and travel on a freelance basis. And so at the moment, I'm travel editor of Breathe magazine, which is a women's wellness and mindfulness magazine. and I also write conservation pieces for them. So that's been really helpful during this phase where perhaps, you know, there's not as much opportunity to write about travel. Um, So I can write more about the conservation side of things as well. So I've done that for National Geographic as well for the adult website. Um, so like my first piece was about bats, you know, and the connection to the pandemic.
0: Oh okay.
1: um, uh, yeah, I'm doing um hopefully going to be doing a piece for them about badgers as well and the badger coal and how that sits with the move um at the moment to try and protect biodiversity and protect protect native animals um you know so so yeah I I sort of combine travel but my you know and wildlife together so that's why I've been to Africa quite a lot as well and written about poaching um the gorillas that was an amazing experience so yeah if you get to go and do that definitely definitely I would recommend it so obviously you have to be really careful with gorillas at the moment because they're so close to us um they have to be very careful about letting tourists back in to see them because although you've always had to stay a distance away from them Obviously, it's such a small population. If COVID enters that population, then it will mm-hmm. be disastrous for the gorillas. <laughs> but yeah, having said that, though, it's a really positive conservation story. Um, I think by 1989, there were only there were 600 left in the world, and now they've managed to get the numbers up to over a okay. thousand. And and that's a really good example of how tourism has done, you know, an amazing
0: amazing yeah i I saw i saw a recent um you talking about the concept about the gorillas i I think i saw a recent um UBC travel show episode where they are struggling because of the fact that there's not been any any tourism at all and and the funding has obviously sort of been completely gone from that so and it's affecting the biggest worry is as you're saying then um covid maybe transmitting towards the gorillas and having obviously the numbers then decreasing um and it's it's a it's a good point you make about how that sort of conservation can really help you know the 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 growth i guess in terms of uh, the gorillas or a certain animal um because i had a i had a guy on a couple of months ago back in the summer um and he was a wildlife photographer and he done. Something amazing, and he, one of the photos he took of the, of, a, of a gorilla was probably one of the best I've ever seen. Um, but, but he was—we uh, were talking about um, the conservation when it comes to—is it right to keep animals in, you know, zoos and stuff? You know, and we were talking about like rhinos and obviously poaching rhinos. I was lucky enough to go see rhinos in Africa myself, and I remember the—it was in Zimbabwe, and they said if you see anyone that you don't recognise. It's shoot first ask questions later because there's been so much poaching that they just they just take no chances. Um, but what's your take on that then with, as I say, zoos, for example? You know, a lot of people will say, well, if you want to see a, a, a lion um, go to Africa or if you want to see... What's your take on that?
1: Um Yeah, this is a tricky one, and it's something that I've written about in the past as well. I mean, obviously, the preference is to see these animals in the wild, in their own habitat. That's not possible for everyone, obviously, due to economic um, circumstances. And I think that it's important for children, you know, to see these animals, I think, at an early age, you know to sort of like learn about them and to I suppose like develop a kind of care and concern for them, but I do think that there could be huge improvements with our zoos with all zoos around the world and how these animals are kept, you know with regards to more space, more um stimulation, yeah. Definitely. I mean, no, nothing makes me sadder than seeing a gorilla in a small enclosure or a tiger in a small enclosure when they're, you know, used to roaming such such large areas.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, what, when we spoke about that, one of the um, examples we used was, well, if you want to see the Empire State Building, you have to go to New York for it. Um, so wh- why would you build or why would you try and take bits of that into, let's just say, a museum um, and th- there are obviously good points that you make there about education and stuff. But then the argument again is, well, if you want to learn about animals, you can learn it in a in a book or you know t- documentary. Um, and one of the things I want to make a point on was when I w- was in the safari. At no point, and I remember a cheetah walking and a lion's like literally so close to us, we can see it eye to eye, and they wouldn't come near you because. They were giving us the look to sort of say, you're on my territory. You know, don't even don't even bother doing anything. And that was the beauty of it. So when animals obviously in a zoo and they're sort of running, we're walking around constantly. And well, if I guess if you had, you know, a human being, you know, locked up, for example, COVID, you know, you want to break out, don't you? Yeah. So I found the animals actually so much more friendly. You know, you'd think you'd be scared of these animals, but you're not actually. They're, they're, they're living life freely in that sense.
1: Yeah. it's There's nothing like seeing an animal in, in the wild. Absolutely. Um, and so I think things, you know, thankfully are changing as well, obviously with regards to the marine creatures that are kept in captivity as well for the, you know, the dolphin shows, the orca shows. That's definitely moving in the right direction as well. You know, with SeaWorld saying that they're not going to be um, bringing in any more captive um walkers and that's going to be phased out which i think is definitely the direction we we should be going in um i think there are some species that shouldn't ever really be in captivity i mean you know the ones that as i say have these like vast areas that they usually roam i mean that would like we've all been going crazy in captivity and lockdown i think that has really brought home to people how that must feel um And, yeah, as you say, I think as technology develops as well, you know, the virtual reality that you can do as well could be something that will phase in and will take over from some of those experiences and really allow kids to be immersed in those habitats and have those kind of experiences. So let's hope that things, yeah, keep moving in the right direction.
0: I know you mentioned you've interviewed quite a few top... um... Uh, people in your town, you said the likes of David Attenborough. Um, When you, I guess, get experience or when you talk to these types of people and then I assume it gives you a lot of confidence when you then go into your next job.
1: I still don't, I'm still not that confident all the time. I think um, I love talking, you know, I love chatting to people. So I tend to, yeah, try and just think, you know what, we'll have a conversation and, and I'm genuinely interested in the areas that I'm talking you know I'm talking to people about so um with david attenborough i was i was I wasn't really nervous i was really excited about interviewing mm-hmm. him interviewed him three times which was really lucky for national geographic kids and he was great every time and it is very surreal that you're sitting there thinking Do you know this is one of the people who really inspired me when I was younger, you know, and encouraged that love of wildlife, and yeah, he was sitting on his sofa having a cup of tea, it's like it's amazing, you know
0: when I got into travel or really because he was one of the one of the guys that inspired me, and there was other documentary makers um traveling that really got me into it. I think the question is where do you see sort of travel journalism going? social media has been good. But also, it's been quite to a detriment a little bit uh, where there's a lot of, I would say, I wouldn't like to say vulgar, but a lot of um, content out there and people see it and then they're not really going to be interested in like the the wildlife or, as you were saying, conservation or gorillas because all they want to do is go to a place, take a selfie. And then forget about all the other aspects of what travelling's about, and that's what I loved about watching him growing up. You know, all oh, the excitement of going there and seeing animals, for example. Or where do you see that journalism going to? Yeah, would it have um, an effect with technology?
1: I think they're kind of you know, there are two different animals, if you like, to use that word, happening. Um, I've been on press trips with um with bloggers and uh influences and yeah i think what they're trying to get is different from what i try and get when we're on a press trip together um so what what some companies um are doing now is kind of is separating them out so the more long-form journalists will go on a trip aside from the influencers, because perhaps what we're trying to get out of those trips is is different for our different audiences i think there's a place for both i think there will still be the the love and need for long-form journalism and to sit down and really try and, you know, and read an article that really gets under the skin of a place or um, brings in experts on certain on certain topics. Um, you know, there's, there's still those magazines out there and, and lots of them have managed to survive this just because people will travel again. And I think that's important to say, you know, I do think... That whether that's a vaccine or as you say we learn to live alongside this we you know this isn't going to last forever I firmly believe that and we will be traveling again and in the meantime those magazines are doing their best to just try and keep inspiring people you know through the content that, that they're quality. producing. You
0: know, the, the quality um, you, you see it the the depth of work that goes into it and I wasn't having a Uh, go at those types of influencers that you've met or bloggers as you said there are there are spaces for them Uh, but then as time goes on generation the next 10 years will you have people interested in what you do because my suspect i suspect that the numbers will probably deteriorate compared to as i said to you if a guy or a girl, you know, is on a on a safari and is taking a selfie with with a lion. You know, people probably want to do more of that and go, "Oh, that's a lot more cool." Do you get me? So that that's my biggest worry sometimes with content. And I love social media. Social media is fantastic, but sometimes there's, there's got to be something there to sort of maybe protect. And it, I, I, I have a feeling that it, maybe it's affecting tourism or travel and Maybe ruining it a little bit for mm. some of us, you know, um, that been sort of are more into these sort of in-depth travel. Do you get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Well, there are definitely. I mean, before before lockdown and before COVID, there were definitely places that were suffering from over tourism and from the Instagram insta hit selfie. Absolutely,
0: like the, like like Venice or um, the Faroe Islands is just yeah. too many, or Amsterdam, too many yeah. people.
1: So maybe we don't need to find the problem. you know It feels like the world's kind of leveled it out a little bit for us at the moment um in its own in its own way um I think you know there are definitely younger um travel writers that I know who write brilliantly and who want to you know bring good stories to light um who travel responsibly, who are writing more and more about responsible travel as well. I think that is something that will also come out of this pause, you know, we've kind of been forced to pause. And I think that's made people think about our connection to nature and also about our connection to the environment and actually... The good of travel but also the negative causes of travel as well with regards to climate change and pollution so i do think actually that this has got a lot of people thinking about how they're going to travel in future when it starts again of course um, and i know that there are a lot of people within the industry and within the travel writing industry as well who are really trying to say do you know what okay when it comes to travel again think about these things think about what you're giving back to communities think about how it's protecting wildlife how it's protecting jobs um the footprint that you're leaving behind do you know i mean so i think in a way we're kind of at a moment where there could be a bit of a flip back in the other direction and that we see people thinking a little bit more and a bit more deeply than okay i'm here i'm going to take a selfie
0: like 20 years ago for example um you know you'd only see the likes of you know the David Attenborough, or one of my one of my favourites, is Levison Wood, um, and those types of people were the ones that would be travelling. And but now, obviously, with how easy it is to travel, um, I think you're probably right. It will probably switch back. I think of people probably get sick of certain content, and then you want to see more. So it's funny how. It can, you know, turn full circle uh, in no time, and the next thing you know, as you said, COVID could be one big factor uh, for people wanting to, you know, see more in-depth work. And um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating times ahead. I think so. Uh, yeah, I look forward lovely. to it. So, what do you like to do outside of your writing and travelling?
1: Back in the good old days <laughs> when we could go out and socialise, yeah, definitely. You know, when I get back. It's all about catching up with family and friends and making the most of London, you know, and everything that's on the doorstep here, which is, you know, a fantastic city to live in, obviously. Um, as much as I love going away, it's always, always nice to come home as well. Um, I do think, as I say, like again, I think that that what's happened has made people really appreciate what's on their doorstep and, and some of the sort of like natural things that we've got here as well so yeah at the moment I'm doing a lot of kind of you know hiking and going down to the coast and beach walks and that sort of thing and just yeah trying to find that adventure where I can at the moment while I can't go overseas.
0: Is there a a specific place that always sticks in your mind when it comes to any of your travels have you got anything that any favorite place that you like to go back over and over again or?
1: so tricky i love australia so it is it's making me a bit sad at the moment there's kind of no non-essential yes obviously for the foreseeable future um antarctica was an amazing trip as well Oh with yeah i wanted to go for ages and finally made it a couple of years ago on um, an expedition with national geographic and limblad Um, where they were actually doing some science on board so that was a really fascinating trip so they were studying orcas in antarctica and how climate change and fishing and that kind of thing had sort of like been affecting populations but it's just stunning it's just the most wonderful otherworldly place and um and i got to do an antarctic plunge as well which is something they do when you're on a cruise in the polar regions.
0: Oh, okay. You don't wow. have
1: to, but if you want to, you can kind of take a dip. So oh, with icebergs around. And yeah, so that was one of the crazier things to do. But it was beautiful. Absolutely recommend recommend that. But, yeah, some amazing places. Brazil, another favourite.
0: Oh, that was one of my favourites, actually. Did you go to Rio as well, I assume? Yes. Did you do the favelas as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Do yeah,
0: one. I mean, I did the one. Uh, yeah. I did one where where michael jackson uh went and did his music video back in the 90s mid 90s um and it was quite extraordinary to see because the regard because that favela became very popular because of it and it gave a lot of people within that area hope so they've got a statue and everything and there's sometimes there's issues with gang gang-rela- related incidents and stuff but um even the gang members don't touch the statues or anything related to him because they respect him that much because they've obviously he obviously came to this country came to their area and stuff but like I took a local guy uh, met a local guy and he took me around and stuff and he was saying this is all sort of sacred area for because he walked through the steps and stuff and it brought a lot of money and tourism into the area but um yeah it was it was extraordinary to see that You know, one man can give so much hope for for a generation, the next generation, and stuff. So it's quite quite interesting to see. So, but I don't know what your take on the favelas was like.
1: Yeah, I um, I did go. Yeah, it was a few years ago, and I I went um with a guide, a local guide that we found, and yeah, sort of a mixture of emotions from that. You know, we saw quite young children who were obviously involved with with some of the like drug running which Mm -hmm. was obviously incredibly sad um also saw you know some like quite thriving businesses in there as well you know it's a real a real mix obviously but i think brazil is a fascinating fascinating country absolutely um Went to the Amazon as well, which, again, is just, you know, so stunning at the moment what's happening.
0: Yeah, you I was fortunate enough to do it as well. It was awesome.
1: It's so, so incredible. And it's just something that you think will always be there. When you're a kid, you know, I remember reading books mm. about the Amazon and it's like, well, you know, it's just infinite. And how could we possibly, you know, not have the Amazon? But actually, you know, the way things are going at the moment, it's, you know, it's been absolutely decimated so yeah again like i think you know travel can help to put spotlights on these kind of things as well like your trip into rio as well you know like writing about that sort of thing and just encouraging awareness encouraging people to get involved and protest or donate or you know yeah definitely power for good
0: any other new developments coming up before i let you go well, obviously you've um, got, you're still writing the stuff. So any of the, any writing, exactly.
1: to... yeah, I'm very thankful for that. As I said, I sort of, you know, I'm writing a lot about, I'm still writing about the trips that I did at the earlier, in the earlier months of the year and some conservation pieces as well. I've done some other project work. Um, and then for the next couple of months, I'm going to focus on UK travel. Okay. Try and get up to the lakes um scotland as well i've always you know wanted to explore a bit more of and then yeah see what where next year leads us
0: hopefully fingers crossed uh it's uh, to an end to this anyway so um laura i want to thank you for coming on and i really appreciate your time
1: oh, it's and, been great it's been great absolutely it's yeah, by the
0: time it's flown by and um Thank you very much. And uh, when I'm in London, when I can get back into London, uh, I'll, I'll give you a call and we can meet up and stuff. So it'll be... Quite We'd good love to. to. Catch up and right. stuff.
1: Right. Good luck with the rest of your quarantine.
0: Thank you very much. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder With Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.